Welcome to Main Menu for the week of May 4th through May 10th, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner. Glad you could be with us here today on Main Menu. We are always glad to have you with us, whether you're a returning listener or a new listener. We always enjoy having you with us, and we enjoy hearing your comments and hearing your input to our program and letting us know what we're doing right, what maybe you think we could do a little better, and maybe uh, some suggestions about things you'd like to hear in the future and you can do that many different ways some of the ways you can do that are through our twitter page at www.twitter.com slash main menu you could do it at our web page at www.mainmenu.acbradio.org and there you can sign up for the main menu friends mailing list and join us in the conversation conversations about main menu and related topics or you could even just leave us a comment there on the web page However you decide to do it, we would sure be glad to hear from you and be glad to talk to you back and forth by email or over the email mailing list or by Twitter or any other way that you uh, might find, uh, even sending an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org can reach us with your comments and suggestions. Well, we have quite a busy show today. We have four different things you're going to be hearing and I think there's something for just about everybody here. We're going to start out with an interview I did a little while back with Harry Brown about the automated vehicle. And I think you're going to find that to be a very interesting interview. It's going to give you some surprises, I think. And then we get into two interviews from CSUN, thanks to the Saratech people at Saratech. Com. And we do thank Sarah Tech for allowing us to re-air a number of their interviews here on Main Menu. This week we'll be hearing about the latest in the Milestone recorders. We will then also hear about the new Braille displays and other products from Humanware. That will be followed up then courtesy of Vision Australia and David Woodbridge with the demonstration of the dictate software to dictate using your ios device dictate into your apple mac and that's all this week on main menu to have Mr. Harry Brown on with us today on Main Menu. Harry's been with us a couple of other times to talk to us about automated cars and where that technology stands and where it's going. And welcome to Main Menu again, Harry. Well, good to be with you, David. And uh, it's just good to be with you for my first time uh, on Skype. And uh, I am amazed at how good this technology works. And uh, it's good to be with you on the show. Well, it's good to have you, and uh, we seem, at least for the moment, to have an excellent uh, connection. And I am going to let you tell us all about what's been going on, what's going on now, and uh, how soon I need to make room in my garage for that new vehicle. Absolutely. Well, for those of you listening for the first time uh, to this kind of an interview about this topic, 
back in 1997, the folks out in California uh, at CalPATH, which is the California Partners for Advanced Transportation and Highways out of Berkeley, California, started testing what we call the automated vehicle. And they were testing it on uh, some of the California freeways like Interstate uh, 10 and I-15, etc. And uh, the vehicles uh, just had a few problems, like any kind of technology, how things start out. And, uh, but they kept testing it over and over. And uh, eventually, they put them in what we call a platoon, where the vehicles were following each other uh, on, that, uh, on I-10 or I-15. And uh, things started working better. And uh, so these kind of tests have been going on for over oh, the last uh, 15 years. Uh, but they've been going on not just at CalPath now, but uh, oh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. And, uh, of course, the auto companies have been very involved with the automated vehicle. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what's happening. And as of last March, uh, when I came in here to talk with everybody, uh, really last August, I should say, uh, with Jamie, Google at the time was working with six automated vehicles, six Toyota Priuses that they got their hands on, and they automated those cars. And it, it was uh, that's where we were at that point. Um, now, the definition uh, of the automated vehicle is a vehicle that drives itself. The driver, there is no human driver, so we take the human factor out of it. And all you have is the vehicle itself uh, driving the driver or and passengers. Really, you don't even need to use the word driver anymore because there's no, you're not driving. But uh, the vehicle drives you from place to place, and that's why they call it automated because you're not driving as a driver. The vehicle's driving you. What are the advantages to the automated vehicle? Uh, one of them is – the biggest one is no more accidents. It's going to eliminate all vehicle accidents because what causes accidents? It's the human drivers. Uh, it's not the vehicles themselves. It's usually the drivers that cause accidents uh, that happen. So um, anyway, that's that's how that goes. And uh, I just thought I'd come in and update uh, folks on where we've been in the last six months. There's uh, a bunch of different things that have happened since uh, last August when uh, Jamie and I spoke. So uh, have at her with whatever questions you have there. Okay. And so what kinds of things have happened since then? Well, the – First thing is the uh, in August Mercedes-Benz has uh, automated their braking technology on their uh, their cars. This was as of uh, August of uh, 2011. After I talked with Jamie, I've got that this material. The vehicle completely stops itself, uh, does its own braking, and avoids uh, crashing into the vehicle in front of it. So that's the automatic braking, and Mercedes is doing it, and uh, not only is Mercedes doing it, but the other vehicle companies are doing it as well. We go to September of 2011. Berlin, Germany now has, instead of cabs with drivers, uh, they have automated taxis that uh, goes to a person's location, and a person gets in, and it drives them, from, uh, it drives them to their next place. Uh, so Berlin implemented uh, a bunch of automated taxis. Uh, in their city. In October of 2011, the Ford Explorer, um, the folks at Ford told me that uh, in 2013 on the Ford Explorer, it's going to have something called Lane Heap. Now, Lane Heap is a 
automation, which if the driver goes in the wrong lane, then lane keeps or lane keep takes over the vehicle and puts the vehicle back in the correct lane. So this way you don't have uh, people being in the wrong lanes and uh, having accidents in uh, when you're going opposite, like a northbound driving in a southbound lane. Mm -hmm. uh, we just had one uh, not too long ago last uh, week here in Michigan on our one of our expressway, or near Toledo, Ohio, I should say, on I-75. And uh, a car got in the southbound lane. It was driving north in the southbound lane, and uh, the, uh, three people got killed. And uh, this isn't going to happen anymore with this because of this technology. Um, if the vehicle knows you're in the, in the wrong lane, it's going to put you back in the correct lane. So you'll see that on the Ford uh, Focus and the, or, uh, the uh, Ford Explorer, uh, the 2013 Explorer. So that's another piece of uh, automation. Now, to January 2012, the folks at Ford, again, they're really leading in this area, um, as you can tell by the amount of Ford stories that I have here. In January 2012, the folks at Ford indicated that the Ford – or the 2013 Fusion, will have active park assist, which parks the vehicle. Now, the 2011 Mercury's did have active park mm -hmm. assist, so that's mm -hmm. already been around for a while. But now other vehicles and other companies such as Ford and others are having the active park assist. Where you push a button, when you get in the parking lot, you push uh, a button, the vehicle parks itself. As a matter of fact, it parks itself perfectly and uh, because – uh, it sees a place to park. It knows exactly where the parking spots are, and uh, it parks itself perfectly. And I don't know about you, but I've been in some cars. Uh, once in a while, you'll get out of the car. It's like, man, I can't even get out of here. It's too close to the other car. I had that happen today. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, this way, you won't have that problem because it'll perfectly parallel park itself. That's the Ford uh, Fusion. Now, is that and also, you've got the blind spot information system, which tells the driver – uh, that there's a car coming from their left or their right, um, and the driver is not going to be able to see that car. Well, the vehicle will see that car now, and it will say vehicle coming from your left or vehicle coming from your right. And um, so it's just really uh, just uh, just a lot of great things uh, going on. Then there was in January also the folks at Audi have unveiled Traffic Jam Assist which will uh, take over if the vehicle's in a traffic jam, and it'll get you as a vehicle driver. It will get the vehicle to a clear lane, and uh, they have drove these up to 37 miles an hour uh, automated-wise. The other thing, and um, this month, I mean in February, uh, the folks at BMW have uh, the automated car, and they call theirs the robo-car. And it drove itself on the Autobahn. Now that, if anybody oh, knows about the Autobahn, you know oh, that yeah. well, no speed limit. <laughs> mm -hmm. You make your own speed limit. Right. And these, the vehicle, the RoboCar, uh, drove itself perfectly on the Autobahn and uh, no collisions, uh, et cetera. But one of the last developments, the most recent, is the state of Nevada now has given Google permission to drive – to have, I should say, their automated vehicles on Nevada roads. And Florida should be next uh, to do that. Um, and Google is working with five or six other states to allow automated vehicles, believe it or not, unreal, uh, on their roads, uh, just like the state of Nevada has done now. And um, so it's a really exciting time to live.
Well, now the uh, the one the park assist. Now, does that just work on you in a parking lot, or uh, you know, back in the days when I could see and was driving, <clears throat> one of the things I absolutely hated, and uh, I taught school for a while in the inner city in downtown St. Louis and I just absolutely hated parallel parking and uh, for a while I had a really pretty long car and oh it was interesting sometimes <laughs> well, well, which, will, it, will it do parallel parking or is this just parking in a parking lot um, it's right now it's uh, done in parking lots okay uh, but they're working on uh, they're working on the next part too and uh as a matter of fact, I, for the first time, uh, I was coming home from our local Kroger grocery store here, and a guy offered to give me a lift home, and uh, him and his wife. So I got in his 2007 uh, Mercury that he had, and I heard this thing start to beep. I said, what is that? He says, oh, that's my, that's my uh, blind spot uh, information uh, technology. He said, I've got a camera in the, uh, on the back of my vehicle that was installed, and uh, – his vehicle would let him know if there was someone behind him, uh, a person standing behind the car that he couldn't see or another vehicle. And uh, so he waited for the person to clear and then backed out. And that was my first experience actually seeing the technology up close and personal. Um, I've been working it with the companies, but I've never gotten to see it myself. And uh, I said, man, he said, I said, how do you like it? Because I always like to find out if these drivers like it or not. And they say, oh, I love it. He said, I just – he said it saved so many people's lives when I was driving. He said, uh, I like it, and any new technology that comes out, I want it. So oh, yeah. It's incredible. I know on, on the Parrot Transit bus system here in the Twin Cities, uh, the Metro Mobility, I noticed in their newer buses now that as soon as the driver shifts into reverse, you'll hear this beep, and a camera comes on so they can see what's behind the bus. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that's absolutely awesome. That, you know, the minute they shift into reverse, it, it, it just comes on. And uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's really neat. So would you say um, – one of the questions I had down here, and I think it's it, – it, based on what you were saying there, I think I know what one of the answers definitely is. I said, what are the groups or, or companies that we want to be watching? And it sounds like Ford's definitely one of them. But I'd love to have a Mercedes. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. Uh, right now, there are uh, other companies. Too. There's Ford. Uh, Volkswagen's working on it. Toyota is working on it. Uh, Ford, let's see, Ford, Toyota, Chrysler, uh, Audi, um, General Motors. Um, GM's really working well on it as well. And it's so, much, it's so interesting when I talk to the people at these companies – and um, uh, they always tell me, man, um, I want that kind of technology too. And uh, so I always tell the people I'm talking with inside these companies, I always tell them, you need to let the people know uh, who engineer the cars that you want it as well. The more people that let these companies know how they feel, um, or even if they go to a local auto dealer, if they call an auto dealer in their area and say, hey, I want an automated vehicle. I can't drive, and I would like to be able to have an automated vehicle. And if you guys uh, had them in your dealerships, I'd go and get one. And that's what I've been telling people to to uh, to let the, fo the, the dealers know. If you want it, you have to ask for it because they don't know if you want it or not. It's just like anything else in consumerdom, you know. Uh, it was supply and demand, uh, and, and if, if the more – It's really exciting. Want, it's, a, yeah. it's an awesome time to live. I mean, we all know that it's, it's tremendous what's happening with computers in general. But then this this technology is just uh, 
it's going to help a lot of people. And the testing, uh, the testing is going very, very well. They, as a matter of fact, drove it. Uh, they had an automated vehicle in the state of Utah, and this vehicle drove at 130 miles an hour. <laughs> drove itself at 130 miles an hour, and they were testing this vehicle. No accidents, no loss of control. It handled perfectly. And so once the automation takes place, uh, we can up the speed limit on the expressways dramatically. You're not going to have to go at 65 or 70 miles an hour. We can, we can almost double that. And so you're going to get there twice as fast as you do now and uh, because you're getting the, the human factor out of the way. And uh, when you get the human factor that can't react nearly as fast as, an, as a machine, uh, the automated vehicle can stop itself in about one thousandth of a second, which I can't even fathom one thousandth of a second. But that's how fast it can stop. And I suppose it's able to, to know like if the road is slick or wet or something and, and, and adjust for that. Absolutely. And these vehicles now, um, the folks at uh, Audi, and if you probably, some of you may have seen the commercial for, uh, uh, I think it was the Audi, one of the Audis. These vehicles now are doing 250 calculations per second. Wow. They analyze the road that much in one second, 250 wow. times. Wow. That's, um, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> It'll tell itself if there's black ice. It tells itself if mm. there's snow. It tells there if there's a... Uh, flood waters ahead. It it does all this intellectual thinking under the hood. Now the other thing I was I was a little curious about too. You were talking about the making sure that the vehicle's in the right lane. <clears throat> and when, I'm sure they have this other places. Um, I'm sure we're not the only place by long shot. But um, here I know um, just recently in our area of the Twin Cities they they added this up until this. Uh, this uh, fall, we didn't have it on this end of town, but they had it on the other end of town. But now we have it, and it's really cool because um, in the morning, um, certain lanes go north uh, that don't in the evening, and, and they dust according to rush hour <laughs> in which direction the majority of the tra traffic is going to be going. That's fantastic, and that's automatically uh, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's and the reason that it can do that. Um, is self-analyze it under the roads they have these little what we call loops yeah. and they're about four inches under the roadbed and their um, algorithm loops um, and if the vehicles as they drive over those and there's no damage to them because it's under the roadbed that these algorithms analyze uh, what traffic what road has the most traffic at the moment and then uh, it will steer people away from that uh, and it will direct vehicles to go to um, a least occupied lane. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible uh, what they're doing with that kind of thing, and they're doing it at stoplights too now. And I, and I know one of the and apparently our our area is one of the first areas to have quite as much uh, uh, information as we do. But uh, driving down the highways here, uh, you can be driving down the highway, and these they have these big electric signs above the road that say, you know. Um, there's a, that there's an accident at uh, between thirty uh, sixth and thirty second, and and traffic is going at certain miles per hour, and certain lane is blocked or whatever. It's it's, it's amazing the information they put up on these things, and I'm guessing probably these automated systems must must hook into that, particularly given that apparently Google it has something to do with at least some of this. 
Yes, they do. And what they did in their vehicles, they took six Toyota Priuses and uh, they, they got those from Toyota and they completely automated them with a computer uh, in the back. It was a, a, a computer was in the back in the trunk and it connected to the vehicle. Um, and the vehicle was completely automated with radar. That, that's how this automation is. It takes it's, mm-hmm. uh, radar and uh, laser sensors and uh, uh, the sensors on the bumpers, sensors on uh, the front of the vehicle, the sides, the back. And uh, the steering is automated. It's taken over by uh, automation as well and the braking and stopping. And um, there was a man I was talking to. I was on a talk show in Windsor, Ontario uh, about a month ago and uh, doing a segment on this. And a man called in, and he had a 2011 Lincoln. And he says, uh, he said, yeah, he says, I like this uh, automation. He says, I've got this adaptive cruise control. And uh, it stops. If there's a vehicle in front of me that slows down, it slows down. And I get on the expressway and I just push the button and it speeds up and slows down. And no, and, uh, I never get in an accident. Wow. <laughs> and they, the host said, well, do you like it? And he said, I wouldn't live without it. I oh. wouldn't have a vehicle without it. Wow. So it, you're just going to see more and more of this technology. Now, for those that are listening to this for the first time, you might be wondering, well, how does this work? Let's say you have a vehicle, you went out and you bought one of these automated cars, and it's going to look like the cars of today and or the vans or uh, pickups or SUVs, and you bought it, and it's parked in your uh, driveway in your house or your, your apartment. Uh, you get in and start the vehicle up, and it'll ask you uh, where you want to go and uh, what city. It'll have you say the city and state, and then it'll have you say the name of the, the business, or if it's a personal address, it'll have you say, uh, say the address. Uh, so you give the address, and... Uh, if you don't know the address, that's okay, too, because you can just say the name of the business if it's a business. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Google and all the stuff that it's doing now and GPS as well, um, these vehicles know where the businesses are. <laughs> as a matter of fact, these vehicles know where the businesses are anywhere in the country. Um, and uh, those of you that probably have listened to Tell Me and other services and you have driving directions, well, you can get directions now for any city in the country. Sure. Um, and it's because of the technology that they're using, and that technology is also uh, in these uh, in these automated vehicles. And I guess we just don't we don't you know even though there's getting to be a lot of GPS and quite a few accessible ones and more on the horizon, uh, we probably really don't realize just how um, specific. A lot of it can be, and the, then when you add it with the other technologies, the, the radar and so forth, it's pretty amazing what they, they can do. The other thing, too, um, that I want to talk about is something called Here I Am technology. The folks at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, um, are working on this as well. Let's say you're in an automated vehicle, and you're on your local roadway or on the expressway, whatever, and there's... Uh, Automation, vehicles, every, every vehicle is automated. And we'll talk about uh, the current vehicle versus older vehicle automation too. Um, but anyway, let's say that everything's fully automated and uh, your vehicle's driving itself. But what's going to happen also is there's something called Here I Am technology. And what that is, is the vehicle in front of your vehicle will tell the vehicles to the right of it, to the left of it. It'll tell your vehicle um, all right, I'm slowing down. I'm going to turn. I'm going to get off at exit 40 or uh, local driving. I'm going to uh, turn on 6th Street at the light, and I'm slowing down. And so the vehicles all get the message, 
and uh, they stop appropriately. And on the expressway, the vehicle that's getting off will get off. Same with merging. If a vehicle's coming on the expressway, it will tell all the vehicles that it's merging. Here I come. I'm coming on the expressway from uh, uh, whatever road, wow. or, you know, whatever road or whatever highway, and it'll merge. And so this here I am technology is called vehicle to vehicle communications, where it's talking to the vehicles behind it, to the right and to the left of it mm-hmm. as well. It's uh, okay. that's a big part of this as well. Vehicle to vehicle communications and connection connecting vehicles. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat stuff. I want to tell you one. Uh, I'm curious. Has there been anything new as far as we know uh, with the the blind driver challenge? Is there anything there happening? I haven't heard of anything there, but that either. doesn't mean it's not. Um, I haven't really focused on that that much okay. uh, because I'm so involved with this technology. But, sure. uh, yeah, that's that's a fantastic technology as well. Yeah. Um, if you had that technology along with the, the technologies you've been talking about here, well, that could be pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great time to live. And uh, if the testing goes well with what we're doing, uh, if it continues to go well and people – don't think that it's going to not go well. We've it's gotten better every year that we're doing it, and uh, the testing, if it goes well, continues to. This technology should be in. Uh, you'll see full automation, hopefully by 2015 to 2017. Okay, that's what I was going to say. I wonder how soon we could realistically be looking at maybe driving something like that or sitting in something like that. Maybe that's what I should say. Yeah, there you go. Now I got to ask you that one question that popped up in my mind while ago. All right, so we're down, we're out here on the interstate, and we're taking this nice long trip, and we're going from Ohio to um, I don't know New York. <laughs> All right, and and I've had too many cups of coffee, and I really need a pit stop. Um, it, or even even worse, maybe somebody gets sick, and you need to get off the road to get it to to get it taken care of. How do how do you interact with that vehicle to say we need to get off the road? You'll be able to uh, ask the vehicle, stop at the next rest area. Okay. And the vehicle, of course, with the maps built in, um, it will know every rest area that there is. And uh, so you'll just tell it, uh, I need to stop at the next rest area. And it will uh, it will stop and pull off, and uh, it will stop at that uh, next rest area. And I'm supposing that as a part of that whole system, too, if you had an emergency, you can, might be able to say, I have an emergency, and it's going to get you off, and it may actually contact 911 or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. And uh, so, yeah, if there's a medical emergency, uh, the vehicle will be able to tell because the vehicle not only has sensors outside the car, I mean outside the vehicle, it'll have sensors inside the vehicle. So if you're having a medical emergency – that vehicle's going to know what's going on, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's another part of this um, whole process. Okay. Well, did you have any uh, other um, things on that, uh, or we pretty well covered it at this We point? pretty well covered it okay. up to the present, but uh, stay tuned, and uh, I'll, I'll be back uh, either later later this year or uh, next March, and I'm sure I'll have a bunch more things to tell you all. Well, we'll try to catch up with you by fall anyway. That's beautiful. We'd love yeah, to do it. Yeah, uh, because then you'll probably have more things about what is coming in the new models. And um, we've got a big auto show going on here this – well, it just started today, and I think it goes through this coming week. And they said 
I think ours is the seventh largest auto show in the the U.S. And they that's uh, fantastic. Have something like said they had something like over fifteen million dollars worth of vehicles at this thing. I'm thinking, wow. Well, hopefully uh, this year at uh, your show, hopefully they'll have uh, some pieces of automation yeah. on vehicles. I would think uh, so. Yeah. If they do, it's worth a trip. <laughs> right. I think I mean check the you know check uh, the papers and so forth and just see what they can see if they do. That could be really interesting. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on and filling us in as to what's going on. It really sounds interesting and exciting, and uh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, I can't either, and it's it's really, really amazing um, because, you know, when I talk to people about the technology, sometimes, most of the time, everybody's accepting of it. But at first, sometimes people say, well, what? I want to drive. I'll say, well, really? How would you like to, get, how would you like to be driven at 130 miles an hour? <laughs> oh, my heavens. When can I buy it? Yeah. <laughs> it changes their perspective because uh, yeah. people want to get there like yesterday. Yeah, the and, last, uh, last time I rode that fast, I wasn't real happy about because <laughs> I knew the per- person doing the driving was not necessarily all that reliable. <laughs> well, good to be with you, David. And uh, well, thank thanks you for letting much. me uh, come in here and tell the folks uh, what's happening in the automated vehicle area. And, uh, folks, it's not a dream anymore. It's about to become a reality. It was good to have you, and we look forward to seeing you again uh, the, this summer or this fall. Well, sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Live at CSUN 2012 for the Saratoc Podcast Network, I'm Ricky Anger, and I'm here at Bones with Robert Kemp. Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. And uh, here in front of me, we have a couple of milestones. This is a fantastic little daisy unit. We've got the 312 and the 212. Tell me a little bit about the milestone 312. Yes, the 312 is our, we call it the flagship because it has all applications we provide inside. So it starts with a simple recorder, voice recorder. You can do um, daisy playback, so it's a book player, but also music playback in all the popular formats like MP3, WMA, AIC, also the iPod stuff you can put on Milestone. It has an alarm clock inside, a clock of course. You can um, listen to radio as well. There is a new thing which is called Agenda, so you can uh, make your appointments with Milestone and get actively reminded of birthdays or other appointments and so on. And last but not least, there is also a labeling system inside based on RFID technology. So this is the Milestone 312, basically. We have also add-ons for it to enlarge these applications. Yeah, what uh, what add-ons do you guys have for the 312? At the moment, we have three um, additional applications available, so-called add-ons. One thing is the color reader, we call it FAME. It is a color reader and you can read with it about 420 colors and nuances, so it's pretty detailed in the feedback it gives you. But it also integrates a light finder, so you know where is the window or is the lamp on or off and so on. Maybe important to say is you just put it on top of a milestone, so it's like the little hat and then milestone becomes as well a color reader. Very good. The other add-ons we have here is on one side the wood scan, which is a barcode reader. You just connect the reader via USB to Milestone and it becomes a barcode reader. So you can identify your objects at home, all the products. We have also a US database for it, so you get most of the products announced. Excellent. 
you guys also have a CD player add-on Yes, well. this is the newest uh, product or the add-on for the Milestone. It's especially for people who are not used to use a computer to digitalize their CDs or books and so on. And there if you just connect it via USB again to Milestone and just copy everything on your SD card and immediately afterwards you can listen to it. What is the difference between the Milestone 312 unit and the 212, which is a little more basic, I think? Yes, the 312 is the professional one, and you decide what application you want on it and which you don't want, so you can individualize it as well. The 212 is more basic, it's um, a voice recorder, you can listen to music and text files, and it's a daisy book reader, but also NLS and so on, all these American libraries are available. So the 212 is a basic one, and the 312 the more professional one. Great. Let's get pricing on the 212 and the 312. Yes. Um, in the US, we have around six to seven dealers who sell the milestone, and the definite price you get from them, um, it starts probably at about 300 to 500 dollars. Okay. Depending a little bit what equipment you want with it, the 312 you can have in a basic version or with extra applications. For people who want to learn more about the milestones and perhaps get software, user's guides, that kind of thing for the units, where should they go? Yes, you can find everything on our website, which is www.bones.ch for Switzerland. And there you get product flyers, information, you can also have samples of the text-to-speech machine and so on. So you get all details there. Excellent. Maybe one more thing, yes. which I forgot to say. The Milestone has a lot of applications, as I told you. Um, the good thing about it is that it's only the size of a credit card. It is very tiny. Yes, it's it is. Light. And it only has five buttons. So we tried to make it as simple as possible, that you can take it wherever you go and have fun with it. Yeah. Yes, and this unit actually has an external speaker which sounds surprisingly good for something that small. Yeah, that was one of the most important things for us when we developed Milestone, having a good external speaker, being very small and as little amount of buttons as possible. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate your giving us some information. And again, listeners can check out more about the Milestone at bones.ch. I appreciate exactly. you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Ricky Inger for the Saratog Podcast Network. Live in sunny San Diego for CSUN 2012, I'm Ricky Inger for the Saratog Podcast Network. And with me is Greg Stilson of Humanware. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hi, ya? Ricky. Nice to finally meet you in person. Exactly. It's uh, the one thing I love about the conferences is that I finally get a chance to be face-to-face with people I've talked with on the phone forever. I, I know. It's, it's, it's excellent. And it's even better when I get to see all the new toys that uh, those people have. And you guys have some good stuff. We do. Uh, you got the, uh, the the latest generation Brilliant, the BI-40. Yep. So we have the... The Brilliant BI-40, which was released uh, end of last year, um, that uh, it's a it's a basically just a, it's a refreshable Braille display. Um, on the top of the Braille display, you have your eight keyboard input keys, so uh, Braille input keys that can control the computer, um, used for Braille input in applications and things like that. Um, and then, basically, what we did is we took um, 
a lot of the things that, that was really popular in the Braille Note Apex, and we've, we brought it over to the, the Brilliant line of display. So below the keys, you'll see that you have the high-quality Braille display cells that are found in the Apex with the cursor router keys above them. And then on the bottom, we have our humanware signature thumb keys that, um, that have been really popular for the life, you know, the life of the Braille Note. And so, so we're really happy to say that we're, uh, we, we have accessibility now, or we have compatibility with Serotech uh, with yes. uh, system access. Um, we have uh, pretty much all the screen reader manufacturers now uh, have, we've signed up with, and so we were able to uh, control computer, you know, control the screen readers with JAWS, window eyes. Um, uh, we actually just got confirmation that NVDA, a beta, is now recognizing the Brilliant BI, which is good. Um, and uh, we've we've sent a driver off to to Apple for iOS, and uh, we're we're looking forward to that compatibility as well. That's going to be great. And the one good thing about uh, this this display in particular is that you have a humanware protocol, and I believe you also have the Open Braille. We uh, do, protocol. absolutely. Yep. So we tried to 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 really bring it to for Braille support of the future, and so you have the capability to switch that in the internal settings. And um, it's it's just it's got a lot of a lot of potential for the future as well. So we're really excited about that. It comes in the 40 cell that came out in the last year, um, and then it, we have a, a 32 that was released after that. And I'm going to grab that for you, Ricky. Oh, nice. So, 32. I'm going to put it in your hand. I'd like you to. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. I have not. So and first thing you'll notice is it's got 32 cells of. of Braille on it, but it feels a lot lighter and smaller than that, at least in it my opinion. It actually does. This looks to me just holding it. It looks bigger than a 20 cell, but it looks uh, smaller than a 32. If I were going to guess, I'd say this has about 26 cells or so. It's, it's very light. It's probably um, not quite as wide as a standard netbook. Yep. And very light. So this would work great with uh, a phone or a small machine yeah, or, of course, we're, uh, any of your desktop machines. Yeah, this it's it's. I'm really excited to see um, this take off with uh, with the popularity of voiceover and iOS. Once once that capability is available, I think that this uh, to be able to use a small display, but as you felt how sturdy this is. It really is. Um, to be able to, to do your text messaging and, and iMessaging emails and stuff such on the um, on the iOS devices will be really I think really popular. Not to be or not to mention to be able to, to have thirty two cells of display to be used with iBooks and uh, your your desktop applications as well. So exactly, what's the price on this? This is twenty five ninety five. The thirty two cell, uh, the forty cell is twenty nine ninety five, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to hand you. Our newest one that we just released, which is what I call the baseball bat. <laughs> this is an 80 cell Brilliant. All right, now you can do some serious damage with this. <laughs> very expensive <Wow>. damage. <laughs> but this would be very pleasant to read on if you if you want this much real estate. This is still very light for an 80 cell display. It doesn't quite feel like you're carrying around a tank, but if uh, if you've got 80 cells, obviously this thing is going to be pretty long, yeah, and what, what uh, it is. What you'll notice on the front is that we have actually eight thumb keys. 
across because... Oh, now that's very convenient because depending on where your hands are at any given time on the display, you've always got something comfortable to press. Exactly. I used to be a programmer in a prior life before I realized that I was no good at it. So I used to use these this much display and I would oftentimes feel that you know, you, you spend more time on one side of the display than the other because you're reading a section of code, but you'd have to come back to the other side to, to change to or pan display. Or, yes. And so we, we decided that, that that's unnecessary motion. So to be able to put two sets of the four thumb keys, um, I think is really going to be a welcome change for a, a display of this size. Fantastic looking displays, but that's not all you guys do. I just caught a, I just got a look at the uh, the Victor Stratus Stratus. Yep, the Victor Reader Stratus is a dex- desktop player. Um, I call it the Papa Stream because it looks just like a stream, but the, uh, the 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 size of it is much much larger. The stream has obviously been our best-selling product since 2007 and I actually at the summer conferences I run a user group called I Love My Stream because that's what we always hear from people when they say that but the stream is not uh, it's not for everyone Uh, a lot of people have them but there's still uh, a need for the desktop style player Um, we're seeing a lot of success with um, people who actually have streams but they want a higher quality speaker they want a better TTS and they want it to be able to be sitting on their their counter when they're cooking or their nightstand when they're reading in bed and be able to listen to a, a, a high-quality speaker so that they can enjoy what they're hearing. Um, people don't always want to be wearing headphones and such. So Exactly. Can we get a quick sample of that Ab- TTS? Absolutely. Let me grab it here. Hold Good on deal. one second. With the smaller Victor, the TTS, uh, it is there, but it's... It has been privately printed by the author. I passed the course, graduated from the university, and forgot the book but not the professor. Some 38 years. Okay, so then I can change it to... Ryan. The male voice. Years later, the book bobbed up again in my life when Macmillan commissioned me to revise it for the college market and the general trade. Meantime, Professor Stromcat died. The elements of style. When I re-examined it in 1957... This is great. I may want one of these just for the TTS. I'm not a big fan of uh, Tom and Samantha on the Victor, but I, I really like the acapella voices. Yeah, it's got... And the, the speaker, if you if you heard, Ricky, has a lot of bass to it. We actually worked with this, uh, an audio specialist to... Uh, to really get the best sound out of this speaker that we possibly could. And um, it's it's got a lot of bass without being overwhelming. And so um, you can also change your tone, your pitch, etc. Um, but the biggest thing with this device is that it's really a player that can be used by somebody of all skill levels. So on the front you have a CD drive for those. Uh, this is a very global player. So um, here in the U.S. we are very download-oriented um, with the National Library Service and Bookshare, etc. Um, but there are still needs for CDs and, you know, the getting your books on CD, uh, Learning Ally, I believe, still does that. Um, and there's a number of, of global libraries that does this as well. Um, but on the side, we also have the SD card slot, and this is why it's been so popular among stream users, that you can pop the SD card from your stream and put it directly in this, and nice. all your books are going to be right there. Very good. And it's also got a USB host port, so if you wanted to throw uh, books on a USB drive, etc., uh, you can do that as well. Nice and versatile, and you're right, it does actually sound quite good. Um, 
One one thing that we are really excited about is that this uh, this device we have been working with the global market or the global uh, libraries uh, around the world. And one thing that is gaining in popularity is um, the the online distribution of books. Um, when you when you think of it, um, I'm not I'm not talking about the way of getting, uh, you know, going on a browser and finding your book and downloading it to a player. I'm I'm thinking think of like the Netflix style of getting uh, oh, yeah. books pushed to you. And so what we're really excited is that uh, we're we're doing pilot projects with libraries around the world that um, is going to when when the capability is available allow them to actually push their content um, to to the player itself so that you don't actually have to go on and, and get these books mailed to you and things like that think of, yeah so. so so we intend eventually to have Wi-Fi on these units and to be able to, to go through content like that. exactly to be able to have that content pushed to to the player itself the functionality is uh, it's not here in the US uh, there's a few countries that are out there I believe Australia is one of them that is working on uh, the Daisy online delivery capabilities um, but uh, it's it's something that that we're really interested in I think uh, personally I see it as you know the the wave of the future for the way the books are going to get distributed so we're really excited to have that capability potential on this device so absolutely good stuff well, for people who want to know more about uh, any products that Humanware has, where should they go? Definitely visit uh, www.humanware.com. Or uh, if you do have any feature suggestions or questions, our support team is always available to help. Uh, the email address is support at humanware.com. Or give us a call at 800-722-3393. Good deal. Thank you, Greg, for sharing some information with us. Thank you for having me on. For the Sarah Talk Podcast Network. I'm Ricky Inger. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia, blindness and low vision services. In this demonstration, I want to show you how you can use Siri to dictate text into your Mac using an application that you run both on your iPhone 4S and the Mac itself. And the actual application name is called Dictabulous, which is D-I-C. T-A-B-U-L-U-S Dictabulous and you can find the Dictabulous app on the iOS App Store however you won't find the Dictabulous application on the Mac App Store though the iOS App Store will give you the hyperlink to download the Dictabulous application for your Mac and basically the way it works is you run Dictabulous on your iOS device Use Siri, dictate, and then the Dictabulous help application runs on your Mac. And whatever foreground application is running, that's where the text ends up that you've just dictated into your iPhone 4S via Siri. But it'll make more sense once we actually go through it. So let's do that now. First of all, let me say that my Mac is turned on, voiceover is running, and I'm currently sitting at my desktop on my Mac. As far as my iPhone 4S is concerned, 
I'm currently sitting at the home screen that contains the Dtabulous app application. So first of all, let me run the Dictabulous help app on my Mac first. And just to make doubly sure that I'm on my desktop, I'm going to do Shift VOD, which is a voiceover command. Remember that the VO keys are the control and option keys held down together to get to my desktop. So I'll do that now, Shift VOD or Shift Control Option D. Desktop, Macintosh HD volume. Okay, let's go to the Applications folder with Shift-Command-A. Applications, now in Applications window. And I want to jump to my Dictabulous application. I'm just going to type in D-I-C-T. Dictabulous.app, 27-10-11840. Okay, and you might have heard it say .app. That's because I've got my file extensions turned on in Finder, so I know which file I'm currently dealing with. So let's run that by just doing Command O. Dictabulous. Voiceover settings activity. Now that's all that application. It just sits there and waits to receive input from the Dictabulous app running on my iPhone 4S. So let's go and open up an application that we can dictate into. So for example, let's just try TextEdit first. Now my TextEdit is currently sitting on my dock, so let's go to the dock with VOD or Control Option D. Dock. And let's type in TEX. Text edit 14 of 28. VO spacebar, to open it. Text edit, untitled 5, window, edit text. Okay, let's make sure that we're interacting with the text edit area with shift VO dinner or shift contraption dinner. Interact with edit text. Okay, so we're ready to rock. We've got Dictabulous basically running in the background, and whatever app we're currently using in the foreground, that's where our dictation will go. Okay, so let me come to my iPhone. Let's find the Dictabulous app running on my iPhone. Dictabulous. Okay, and of course you'll notice that I don't have hints turned on on VoiceOver on my iPhone at the moment. And of course it's one finger double tap to open up the app. Dictabulous. Okay, and now all it is is just a keyboard on the screen. So I could literally just type on this keyboard and it would come out in text, in this case in text edit. But let me go down to the bottom and touch the dictation button. Dictate. Okay, and of course, what I'm going to do is one finger double tap to start the recording, and then I'll do a two finger double tap to stop it. So I'll do that now. The quick brown fox raced over the trees into the bushes, never to be seen again. Full stop. New line, new line. Let me say that again properly. Full stop. New line, new line. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog and raced away into the bush, never to be seen again. Full stop, new line, new line, end of story. New line, new line, David. Thinking. Inserted the quick brown fox raced over the trees into the bush is never to be seen again. Let me say that again properly. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog and raced away into the bush, never to be seen again. End of story, David. Okay, so that's what I've just dictated in. Now I know it's actually put it on the Mac because you just heard it say David, which is actually the end of it. So let me just do VO up arrow, control option up arrow. End of story. Again, the quick brown fox jumped over. Let me say that again. The quick brown fox raced over the trees into the bushes, never to be seen again. Okay, that's the top. 
Let's just do VOAO control option A to remember what we just dictated in. The quick brown fox race over the trees into the bushes, never to be seen again. Let me say that again properly. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog and raced away into the bush, never to be seen again. End of story. David. Okay, so that's a really easy, fantastic way of using Siri to dictate onto your Mac. Okay, so let's just try another application. Let me run Night Owl, which is, I'm not going to pronounce that one in Japanese because every time I do, I always end up making a rude application name out of it. So again, that application's on my dock. So let's do VOD or Control Option D to go to the dock. Dock. Text edit, 14 of 28. And I'm just going to type in Y. Yurufukuru, 17 of 28. That's the name of the application in Japanese. VO spacebar, control the spacebar to open it. Yurufukuru, timeline, window. So let's go to the edit area to do a tweet. So I'm going to do VO left arrow, control option left arrow. Character counter text. Action menu button, edit text. Okay, that's the edit area to type in our tweet. And let's come back to Dictabulous on the iPhone. Find the dictate button again. Dictate. Okay, there's the dictate button and again one finger double tap to start it, two finger double tap to stop it. And I'm probably gonna say something like just having a play with the Dictabulous application on my iPhone 4S and the Mac for a podcast. Thinking Inserted just having a play with the Determinus application on my iPhone 4S and the Mac for a podcast. Okay, so you heard voiceover say something. Okay, so let me interact with the text edit area first before I navigate. Interact with edit text. Now we can do via left arrow, control to left arrow. Podcast A for Mac, the and 4S iPhone, my on application determiners the <laughs> with play A having just top of document. So let's go have a look at it. So just just having a, a of course I'm doing control option right arrow via right arrow. Play with the determiners. <laughs> determiners. Didn't quite get dictabulous right, so I can actually edit that now myself. So backspace. S R E N I M R E T E D. Okay, I'm typing dictabulous. Misspelled dictabulous application on my iPhone. 4S and the Mac for a podcast. Bottom of document. And I should be able to just send that by just hitting enter. Table, no selection. One row added. There we go. I just sent that tweet and that was dictated by Siri and just one slight edit because the Siri voice recognition didn't quite understand what I meant by dictabulous, which is not really a word anyway. Okay, so that's number two demo. And let's type in an email. So let me run mail. So again, back to the doc with VOD up control option D. Doc. Yurufukuru. Okay, MA for mail. Mail, 2 of 28. VO spacebar, control option spacebar. Mail, inbox, Gmail, window. Okay, command N for new message. New message, now in, new message, window. Let me send it to myself at work. Selection deleted. Okay, Leaving scroll area. See, leaving scroll, subject, edit text. Type in subject, test. Test. Email. Customize header, menu button. Again. David Woodbridge, David. SMTP. None. Pop up, edit text. Okay, we're in the editor, the blank message. Come back to the Dictabulous app on my iPhone. Find the dictate button down the bottom. Dictate. And of course, one finger double tap to start it, two finger double tap to stop. 
just a test email on my iPhone 4S playing with the Mac using voice dictation for a podcast demonstration. Full stop. New line, new line. David. Thinking. Inserted just a test email on my David. iPhone 4S kind of the Mac using voice dictation the podcast demonstration. David. Okay, let's come back to the Mac and go video upper, construction upper. David. Demonstration. Just a test email on my iPhone. Top of document. And oh, let's just do VO Derek this time. Just a test email on my iPhone 4S kind of the Mac using voice dictation the podcast. Demonstration. David. Bottom of document. Okay, and there we go. So, didn't slightly get it correct. However, you can definitely see how easy it is to dictate text into whatever application that has an edit area in it. So we basically did dictation into TextEdit as a bit of a document. We did dictate into Night Owl as a tweet. And I dictated into the body message area of an email. So if I was about to send this, I could definitely just do Shift-Command-D to send it. Or I could just edit with the keyboard and make a few changes to some of the mispronouncements. And then again, just send it with Shift-Command-D. So that concludes this demonstration of the Dictabulous application that you can run on your iPhone 4S and your Mac to allow you to basically dictate via Siri into any foreground application that's running on your Mac. If you've got any other questions about Apple accessibility, please contact the Adapter Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. While you listen to Main Menu, do you ever think about a piece of technology that you've been thinking about purchasing or just a piece of technology that you really want to hear about but that you are unable to demonstrate for all of the Main Menu listeners? If so, we have a way for you to make those ideas be heard so that the Main Menu staff and other Main Menu listeners can produce segments on that topic. If you visit the Main Menu website at mainmenu.acbradio.org, you will find a link that says Create an Account. Creating an account is completely free and takes only a few seconds. Once you have an account, click on the link that says Segment Ideas. There, you will find a form to add an idea that you would like to see us cover on the show. If you see an idea in the list of ideas that you are able to cover for us on Main Menu, please click the Request This Idea link, which will let us know that you are able to cover this idea, and we will be in touch with you. We look forward to hearing your ideas for topics that we should be covering here on Main Menu. And, as always, thank you for your support in ACB Radio and in Main Menu. That's going to conclude our show for today. Thank you very much for being with us today on Main Menu. On behalf of myself, Chase Crispin, our executive producer, and the Main Menu staff, we wish you a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu.